Welcome back to the JRM Sydney podcast. This is part two of the message Adonai, the omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent God. And today, we are learning more about how we are going to respond in faith, knowing the truth of our Almighty God. Enjoy the rest of the podcast, and God bless you. So, uh, so what, what do we do now? How do we respond to this? Knowing this, what should be its impact in our lives? How should we respond to these attributes of God? It's just, is it just going to be head knowledge? Because my friends, knowing is different from believing. God is looking for faith and God is looking for believers. Not knowers, but believers. Now, many characters in the Bible know all about the, these attributes of God, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are believing. And their lives are in alignment to the truth that God is all-present, God is all-knowing, and God is all-powerful. So just three things that I want to leave with you, church, that I hope as a response to these attributes, we will be able to adopt that or you know, uh, begin to live in that zone. Three things that we can do in response to these attributes. Number one is we have to enjoy our access. Knowing that God is all present. Knowing that God is present everywhere and He promises that I will be with you. It means that we have access. We have access to God. How we have neglected it. How we have ignored it. How we have forgotten it many times in our lives. But every single day God reminds us, I am with you. This is a promise of God. It's not just a theoretical conclusion. It is a precious truth of our redemption. Although we have sinned, although we are unworthy, we don't deserve God's mercy. God has been merciful to us and He has been faithful to His people and He declares, I will be with you. You know, it, it means that God is here. God is there. God is right there in your room, in your living room right now. And how I pray that you will experience the manifest presence of God, even though you are in your home. The, 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 the cloud of glory, the atmosphere of heaven to come down and manifest in your own living rooms or in your bedroom, wherever you are. The envelope of God's embrace be upon you. Oh, hallelujah. This means that God, you know, God is on our side. He is with us. He is for us. He is not against us. That our access to God says that we, we are protected. We are enveloped by God. Hallelujah. This is, you know, this promise of God that I will be with you. Uh, look at this. If we believe that God is omnipresent, that He is present everywhere, you know what? Nowadays, every, a lot of people are afraid of COVID because we are thinking that COVID virus is everywhere. But so is God. So is God. Sometimes my heart, you know, cries a bit whenever people respects or has faith, more faith to COVID rather than to God. That people fear COVID more than they fear God. You know, yes, COVID is everywhere, but so is God. How insulting it is to God that we are more terrified about COVID than we are afraid 
that we fear God. This is a, a healthy kind of fear. Now, I'm not saying here that you should just be careless or whatsoever. Obviously, we have to be cautious, but never anxious. Never be paralyzed by fear because fear is an insult to God. Worry is an insult to God because you're basically saying God is not with me. God is not capable. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He's not doing, he doesn't know what he's doing, so he cannot protect me, he cannot cover me. Church, Christians, if you believe that God is present, then God is there with you and he is your shield against any harm. Sometimes we forget this and sometimes... You know, we want to control everything. Our parenting is paranoid because we want to protect our children at all costs. And that's understandable. But it comes to a point of paranoia that we are so controlling, so controlling, and so, so afraid, so fearful. And we, we get somehow, we, we dishonor God because we are at, it's, it's as if we're saying, God cannot take care of my children. That is so dishonoring to God. When God says, I will be with you, He meant what He said. Moving on in these passages, you know, Genesis 26 3, uh, it's a promise to Isaac and everyone who will believe in God, I will be with you and I will bless you. God, in His desire to be with His people, Many times in the scriptures and in many places in the Bible, you will see that I will be your God and you will be my people. And don't you think, don't you think that if God wants to be with us and if God is present in us and among us, surrounds us, don't you think that He's capable of protecting His own? Church, wake up. Who is your Adonai? Is it God or is it fear? How do you live your life? How are you making decisions? How are you framing your day-to-day -day activities? Is it following Adonai, God who is omnipresent? Or is it following your fears? Making decisions out of your worries and your anxieties. Who is your master? Who is your Lord? Who is your Adonai? Now, it's no wonder as well that God is not just promised that He will be with us. He, he, he tabernacled among us. It was not enough that God was just dwelling in a tabernacle or in a temple in the Old Testament. He wants to be so near us that He became a man. Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us. And again, there's a difference between knowing that and believing that. Do you really believe that God is with us? That God is with you. In fact, He's not just with you. He promises the Holy Spirit to live within you. He is outside of us and He is within us. He is around us and He is above us and He is below us and everything around us. Do we really believe that? Or we just have a religious mind just for us to know and say that this is the God that I believe in? But if you really believe it, your life will look like it. Your life will look like it. If you are filled with worry, if you are filled with fear, you have to pray to God, Lord, help me overcome it. You have to repent because you have been bowing down to an idol called fear and anxiety. 
God should be the one we should be fearing, not anything else that this world or anything. The Bible also says that in one passage, that you, you should not fear anything, anyone in this world that kills the body. Fiery in there, it's just something that I know God wants to emphasize in, in these times. You know, Christians, we can just really com- immediately and almost automatically go towards self-preservation in sp- instead of going towards words where God calls us. And in the Bible, you will find that a lot of times. The Bible is filled with stories wherein God calls people to somewhere dangerous. And if we're going to think about it, you know, if you're that person, why is God like that? Doesn't He care? Why, why is He sending me to somewhere dangerous? You know, God sent Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? It's dangerous. The apostles, the disciples, God was sending them to places where they will literally be killed, where the governments are forbidding them to proclaim the gospel, and they did not follow the government because the government is not their Adonai. God is. God is their Adonai, and what God says is what we will follow. Amen. No. Times are getting darker, and I know this in my heart, that there will be days, maybe not in our lifetime, but maybe it is in our lifetime, that there will be times and days and, 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 and nations wherein, the Bible tells about this, that there will be times wherein it will be forbidden. The governments will forbid it. And what will you do then? Will you hide in your cave because you're afraid? Let it be so that JRM Sydney is not made up of people, of members, of sons and daughters who are living in fear and anxiety. We are men and women of boldness and courage and wisdom. And we fear the Lord more than we fear men. Amen. Embrace. Second, two, second one. <laughs> second one that we, we should do, knowing that God is omniscient, that He knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. You know, we have to also, in a balance, embrace our limits. It just means that you are not God. You are not God. You can't control everything. And because you don't know everything, you have to come to a humbled position and say to yourself, I know I know nothing, but not God knows everything. And therefore, I will rely on God who knows everything. I cannot only rely on my own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Amen. So look at this. Embrace your limits. Uh, humans nowadays have never, you know, it's from the very beginning. Satan's lie to Adam and Eve has always been, you know, you can be equal to God. Because that's what Satan wanted to be. He wanted to be equal to God. He wanted to be omniscient, but he could never be. He wanted to be omnipresent, but he could never be. He wanted to be omnipotent, but he could never be. So uh, he, 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 he mentioned that lie to Adam and Eve, and and, and Adam and Eve obviously fell into sin. But also in the generations past, you know, humans has tried to build the Tower of Babel. And they were so arrogant and they were so, uh, you know, self-confident that they were saying that we are going to build this tower up in the sky and then we will be equal to God. And human beings have never stopped believing that lie until now. 
We have believed, humans have believed that we can be equal to God. You know, the technologies and all the inventions, you know, the increase of knowledge is good. But when you increase in knowledge, in, when you increase in knowledge, it also has a tendency to make you arrogant. It makes you arrogant when you increase in knowledge. You know, when kids, your parents, right, and your kids, you know, they don't know much, they don't know anything. Of course, you're the one who knows better. You raise them up, they become teenagers, and all of a sudden, they know a lot of things, they know all sorts of things, and then they treat you as if they know better than you. They talk to you as if they know better than you. We've all been there. We've all been youth ones. We've all talked to our parents like that, like as if we know better than our parents, right? Young people, I'm not saying that's you. That's somewhere else, another church. <laughs> so I pray that our young people will not be like that, that even though you increase in knowledge, that you will stay humble because the knowledge you possess is minute, minute compared to the knowledge that God possesses. We don't have omniscience. So look at that. With the, the invention of mobile phones, you know, we can be everywhere at the same time with our social media. You can be, you know, present and talking to someone else from another part of the world. I'm not saying it's bad. Technology is good. But somehow that is the drive, isn't it? We want to be all present, omnipresent. So that's technology for us. And we want to be omniscient. That's Google for us. They say that Google knows everything. Just ask Google, right? Let me beg. I beg your pardon. He doesn't know everything. Ask Google what your favorite food is. He doesn't know. <laughs> Google doesn't know everything. Only God knows everything. Oh, the arrogance. The arrogance of human beings. Um, you know, uh, the craving of humans for power and control. The craving of humans for power and control. Oh, just incredible. Yeah, how much we want to be powerful. How much we want to be powerful. There is a, uh, I encourage you to read in this coming, this week, this week, right? I want you to read uh, Job chapter 38, 39, and 40. Job 38, 39, 40. It's just a wonderful discourse. It's a discussion between God and Job. Because at the point where Job is already whinging, already questioning God, already, you know, uh, trying to say his case, state his case against God, and that how God, he views God as incompetent or whatsoever. This is what God says to Job. Job chapter 38 verse 1 says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this, Job, this, that darkness counsel by words without knowledge. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? He's basically saying to Job, Sino ka? At anong alam mo? Para ako ay pangaralan mo. Right? Continuing with that reading in verse 3, it says, Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it. Now, in Tagalog, you can just say, Anong alam mo? Nasaan ka nung nilikha ko yung mundo? Anong alam mo, Job? Right? Sometimes, we can be so arrogant to think that we know better than God. We, we know better than God. 
Just like how we treated our parents sometimes, that we know better than them. Authorities, leaders, presidents, prime ministers, we think we know better than them. How incredibly arrogant. And, and Job, God basically slams Job to the ground. Continuing with Job 39, the, just a few verses, he says, Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the does? Can you number the, mo- the, the months that they fulfill? And do they know the time when they give birth? You know, you know look at this. The wild animals, the, the, the animals in the wild, they give birth without a midwife. <laughs> they give birth without a nurse, a doctor. God does it. God knows everything. In Job 40, look at Job's response. And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? That's what we like to do, isn't it? We like to fault finding, critic, criticism. We look at the government, we fault find, critic, critic, critic. We look at our leaders, our parents, critic, critic, critic. We look at our pastors and we fault find, fault find, fault find. We become critics rather than pioneers. We become, you know, antagonists rather than supporters and helpers to building the kingdom of God. And that's the same thing with God. We criticize God. You should have done this. You should have done that. You know, you probably are not saying it, but inside of you, just like Job, he's probably saying it. And this is the response of God to Job. Oh, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Let him answer it. If you know better than I, then you run the world, right? And that's normally a conversation between a parent and a child. If you know better than me, then yeah, the door is open. Get out of my house. And that's a heartbreaking discussion just because of arrogance. And then Job replies in verse 4, Behold, I am of small account. Job realizes how small he is. The speck of mote of dust suspended in the ray of sun. Behold, I am a small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. Parang sabi ni Job, Lord, tama ka. Mali po ako. Sorry po, Lord. Tatakpan ko na po yung bibig ko. I will not speak anymore. Alright? I have spoken once and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Careful, guys. Knowledge is good. It builds us up. It grows us. But if knowledge pops up, we become arrogant. And we can think we know better than everyone else around us. And that's not godly anymore. Last but not the least, exterminate your fears. First one is enjoy your access. Second is embrace your limits. And then third is this knowledge of the omnipresence, omniscience, and omnipotence of God should exterminate our fear. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. If we know that God is all-powerful, that nothing is too hard for Him, then we shouldn't be Afraid. Afraid, again, is an emotion that can be normal, but to dwell in fear, that's when it becomes wrong. Obviously, you will feel fear, but you are not called to dwell in fear. Fear cripples faith, or faith cripples fear, but they don't work together. 
They don't work together. Fear cripples faith or faith cripples fear. Whatever you feed wins. Now, the, the, look at this. If, if you're going to consider it, the 12 spies, if you can remember in Numbers chapter 13, uh, when God commanded Moses and the people of Israel to take possession of the promised land, and Moses sent out 12 spies into the promised land, and then they returned. Only Joshua and Caleb returned with a faith report. And because they believe that God is omnipotent, God is omniscient, God is omnipresent, that God is with them, and God is going to fulfill His promise to them, Caleb and Joshua says, let's go. Let's attack. Let's conquer the land. The Lord will give us victory. But the majority vote, the ten leaders were reporting out of fear. And they said, oh, it's a dangerous territory. It's filled with giants. We're all gonna die. And look at that illustration. What kind of Christian are you? What kind of leader are you? Are, gonna, are you gonna speak a faith report? Or are you gonna speak a fear report? Because of the lack of faith, because of the unbelief of the 12 spies, that resulted to the consequence of the journey of Israel 40 years in the wilderness. We can say, oh, it's unfair. Joshua and Caleb were faithful and faith-filled. Why didn't God spare them? And that's the matter of the fact. Even though Joshua and Caleb could have been spared from that 40 years of wilderness, they belong to that community. And what consequence the ten has, that everyone will, will receive that. We belong to our community. That's why we have to kill, exterminate fear. Because the consequences of fear does not just affect you, it affects your family. It affects your children. It affects your community. And that's a sad fact. Because God has to take out from them, extract, surgically remove that cancer of fear. That means that everyone else suffers with it. Now, um, I will close now soon enough. I just wanted to point this out. Why should we exterminate our fear? Because the truth is God is omnipotent. It doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. When God commands, when God instructs, when God directs, we follow, no questions asked, because he will take care of the rest. When God commanded Abraham to leave Ur and go to a land where the Lord will, God doesn't even say to Abraham where he will go. And it, could you imagine if Abraham said, oh, but I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to feed my family. I'm afraid that, you know, what if Abraham says that? But instead, Abraham trusts that God promised, I will be with you. That God promised, I know what I'm saying. That God promises, I am omnipotent. I can do everything that you need. And then Abraham follows. And the same with all the characters in the Bible that you will find. Acts chapter 20, Paul says, I know and I can sense, and the Holy Spirit warns me 
that danger is waiting for me in Jerusalem. This is Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20. But nevertheless, the Spirit compels me to go. <laughs> that is ironic, isn't it? The Spirit compels you to go to a dangerous territory. Not a comfort zone, not a safe zone, a dangerous territory. Because God wants to make a miracle in there. God wants to save people there. God wants to reach out to people there. God wants people to hear the gospel there. God never calls us to our comfort zones. Never. Because we experience the omnipotence of God in the adventure of obedience. We experience the miracle of God in the danger of, of, of the mission that He has given us. If you have another version of Christianity, then that's yours. But God doesn't perform miracles in a bed of roses. <laughs> he doesn't. He asks us to walk on water. Look at this. In the New Testament, as I close, there are only two instances where Jesus was amazed, where Jesus marveled, where Jesus was astounded. And these two instances were in Mark chapter 6, verse 6, and in Luke chapter 7, verse 9. In Mark chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus, look at this, and Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the village teaching. And the second one is Luke 7, 9, and Jesus heard these things, and he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him said, this is about the, uh, the officer, this is the uh, Gentile officer, the fate of the Gentile officer. And then he says, he marveled at him, and he says, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. So if you're going to look and compare within those two passages in Mark 6 and in Luke chapter 7, Jesus marvels at only two things. Lack of faith, lack of belief, and also faith. Faith pleases God. When God says, wow, it just means only two things. Wow, when God says, wow, he marvels. He is amazed by your faith, your belief. That even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, even though it doesn't make sense, you still obey the Lord. God rewards faith. And so He marvels when we, He finds us walking in the path that He asks us to walk, even if it doesn't make sense for us. Even if we think we can't, because it doesn't matter, it's irrelevant. He can. We can't, He can. And He will be present. And also He says, wow. When this, this, this wow is for people who he expects that they will believe, and yet they do not. And that's what it is. He marveled at their unbelief. It seems then there are only two things that make Jesus step back and say, wow. Number one, those who believe when it's not expected they would, just like the centurion officer. He believed, and Jesus did not expect that, but he believed, and God was amazed. And then secondly, those who disbelieve when there's every reason they should. God has 
not just, hindi lang tayo tinawid ng Lord last year sa pandemic. God has made us flourish. God has prospered us. And now, this time around, second round of lockdown, why are we cowering? Why are we afraid? God has done it before. He will do it again. Sometimes I pray, Lord, when you say wow to JRM Sydney, let it be because this is because of people who have faith in you. You are omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. Let it be not so, Lord, that we as a church, we're sitting in a good atmosphere, spiritual atmosphere. We have everything we need. We live in a fluent, uh, uh, affluent country. We are not poor. We are rich. We are so blessed in every side and in everything. And yet, we do not have anything, anyone. We don't have any fire in our hearts for Jesus. And there's no gratitude. Let it be not so. We will not be like that. Amen? JRM, come on. Wake up. We will not be like that. We will be a people who believes that God is omnipresent and therefore we will enjoy access to His throne of grace. We will be people who believe that God is omniscient and therefore we will embrace our limits. It would bring us peace. It will bring us, you know, we will not be anxious anymore. We will not be depressed and frustrated anymore because it depends on God. It does not depend on us. And then we will be a people who believes that God is omnipotent and we will be a people who exterminates our fears. We will not live by fear. We do not live by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. Amen. Are you with me? You with me, church? Hallelujah. So that's it for you. These are the three attributes of God and somehow the responses that God is waiting for us to do for Him. Amen? So let's be led in a song of worship. Let's tune in our hearts unto the Lord and just declare this song together. You are God alone. You are God alone. Hallelujah. Come on. Put yourselves in the presence of God. Stand up on your feet. And worship the Lord. Remember who He is. Thank you, God.
Hallelujah. You are God alone. You are God alone. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says here, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God. So Jesus, though he was in the form of God, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself of his deity. He emptied himself of his omnipotence, of his omniscience, of his omnipresence. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, finite, limited. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My friends, if you're going to ask me what is the most 
powerful. That is the greatest display of power of God in history. It is not the parting of the sea during Moses' time. It's not the plagues. It's not the sending of the fire at Elijah's altar. The most powerful display of glory and majesty of God is when He came down to become a human being so that He can save you and He can save me. He became like that ant. I couldn't communicate with that ant, but He became as small as we are so that He can save us. That is the most powerful. When you look upon the cross, that is the display of God's power. When you remember that He rose again from the dead, that is the manifestation and display of God's power. And since God has raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that conquered the grave, He promises to live inside of you and in me only if we will believe in the Lord. Only if we will believe in the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, back on His throne, omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, and God is with us. Amen. So would you raise your hand, church? Would you come to God? Father, make us believe. Help us with our unbelief. Lord, forgive us. We repent of our lack of faith. We repent, Lord, for our ignorance, for our, Lord God, negligence, Lord. If we have forgotten who you are, we, for, we repent, Father. And Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your unending love that though as small as I am, Lord God, you have loved me as such as to die on the cross for my sins that I may be with you for eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Fathers, mothers, young people, every person in the home. Come on, sense the presence of God, the manifest presence of God in that room. He is touching you. He is holding you. He is empowering you. He is comforting you. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, would you surrender, yield to God, your heart. Come on. Oh, Jesus. Oh, you are God alone. We have a God that can never be defeated. We have a God that can never be changing. Oh, we, can, we have a God that we can rely on. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you. My friends, if you are listening to us, if you're joining us in this uh, broadcast, in this service, and you don't have a relationship with God, you are aware there is a God, you believe in a God, but you don't have this God as your Adonai. You don't have this God as your master, as your Lord, as your King. Would I invite you right now, I invite you right now to surrender to His Lordship, to surrender to His Mastership. Amen. If you are that person with every eyes closed and every head bowed down, come on, those of you in your homes, will you intercede for some people, some person, someone in the other part of the world, someone listening to this is, is returning to Jesus, surrendering their life to Jesus. Come on. If you are that person, kapatid, Follow after this prayer and say to God, Father, I surrender to you. From this day on, you are my Adonai. You are my Lord and you are my Master. Thank you, Jesus, because you have given up the omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence to become human so that you can save me by dying on the cross, shedding your blood, 
and setting me free. From this day on, I give my life to you. And thank you for the confidence that I have. You are with me. You know your plans and purpose for me. And Lord God, you are all powerful to protect me and to lead me. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. I hope that you are blessed by that message and our service today. And let me just continue to encourage you. This is not a time to shrink back, but it is the time to prevail in serving the Lord. Continue to connect with one another. Call each other. FaceTime each other as much as you can gather together and, you know, inspire one another even in this lockdown season. Amen? Would you raise your hands to receive the Father's blessing? Come on, fathers, gather your family, your wife, your children. Lay your hands upon them. This is the Father's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Our Almighty God, Adonai, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God. Oh, God who will never be defeated. Lord God, let His face to shine upon you. Lift up His face, His smile over you and cause you to prosper in everything that you do. May you continue to enjoy your access. May you continue to embrace in your limitation and have peace in God. And may you continue to exterminate all fears because God is the champion and He is yours and He is mine and He is with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Share this message, this, this service on your social media pages and, and, and profiles and let other people hear this word. God bless you. Have a lovely week.